0: we mm-hmm. how's it going, everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to episode 87 of X-Lapsed, where, after a long, long, long time, it's Cable Day. We're going to be talking about Cable, Volume 4, Number 2. Now, this had a September 2020 cover date. The story is called The 5 and one Written by Jerry Duggan, with art by Phil Noto. Oh, boy, the art is by Phil Noto. This is... This is quite a treat Um, Letters VCs Joe Sabino Designs Tom Muller Head of X's Hickman Our edits are Bisa White Cebulski Cover price $3.99 And this one went on sale July 29th, 2020 I didn't know if I was going to Just jump right into the comic Or bore you all with the fact That uh, the wife and I Just wrapped up The TV show Six Feet Under And it's kind of stuck on me here So I think we'll just go into the comic If anybody wants to hear me talk About Six Feet Under Just let me know and And I definitely will Uh, Now we open this issue at a suburban home in Philadelphia Now this is the home of a mutant couple, Stinger and Omerta Well, Stinger is still a mutant, Omerta no longer has his powers Now they're arguing about whether or not they ought to upstakes and go to Krakoa Now Omerta, Paulie, ain't really feeling it Stinger is just so sick of living as a mutant in human land She claims that she keeps getting weird looks But I really can't tell what's so weird about her Other than her pointy hairstyle, which, I mean, one could imagine she could change if she wanted to, she looks fairly normal. I don't know. Anywho, she pops into their baby's room to check on him or her, and they only find an empty crib. The baby's been kidnapped. And in fact, it's uh, front-page news in the Daily Bugle, which headline reads, "Mutie Cutie Stolen. I gotta ask, I thought the word "mutie" was supposed to be like a really, really offensive term these days. I I guess not so much when it helps to pay off a rhyme. I don't know. Let's do our roll call. We got Cable, Esme Cuckoo, Mindy Cuckoo, Phoebe Cuckoo, Sophie Cuckoo, and Celeste Cuckoo, Cyclops and Emma Frost. Then, a single-page spread of credits. Hell yeah, more of this, please. Let's get back into comics, and we've got Cable. He's in a police interrogation room chatting up a pair of Philly's Finest. He asks them what they're, go- what they're all going to do about this missing child, and by saying all, he includes Cable himself in the search here. He's like, what are we all going to do? The officers are almost, like, amused by Cable. <laughs> amused and also curious about his weird, scarred eyes. But they tell him that they're going to take care of it. Now, Cable insists, claiming that a missing mutant baby is a big deal to him, to which the officers say that all missing babies are important to them. They suggest Cable just back off and let them do their jobs, but we know that ain't gonna happen. We shift scenes to later on, and Cable is staking out the neighborhood by Stinger and Omerta's house. And this is where I realize that Omerta is friggin' Paulie Provenzano. You know, that dude who joined Gene Grey's Eve of Destruction interim X-Men? Uh, that were like... I want to say they were like a really, really big deal for about a second and a half back around the turn of the century. And I've actually kind of wondered whatever happened to these lesser members of the group, right? We had Pauly and uh, Wraith, I guess. Wraith was the other one. We had Sunpire, who I don't know if we would consider her a lesser one, but I don't know that we've seen much of her since then. I want to say that there was a Sunpire. Uh, this is, I don't remember if it was Sunfire's sister or cousin or some relative of Sunpire. Uh, I know we saw a version of her in the Exiles. Now, Stinger, we did read a sinister secret about back in the long ago, if I'm not mistaken. I want to say that she was announced as being like the first pregnant mutant in the age of Krakoa. Which, uh, hey, I guess that one literally bared fruit. Anywho, back to the story, Cable is joined by Esme Cuckoo. Now Cable's kind of dating all five of them which was alluded to back in Wolverine number three, when the Cuckoos were flirting up Quentin Quire to get him on board with the Pale Girl mission. One of the Cuckoos, I don't remember which one, told Wolverine, hey, you gotta help us out, we want Cable. So I guess they got Cable. Anywho, Esme is helping by scanning the neighborhood for clues. But she stops to make out with Nate for a bit. Philly's finest drive by as they're making out, and they see this, and they give Cable a big ol' sarcastic thumbs up for a job well done. Esme asks Cable if he's scared that the cuckoos are constantly judging him. He says, nah. But then we jump to a page where the other four cuckoos are pretty much watching the scene play out, and they're having themselves a collected laugh at Cable's, I don't know, naivete, maybe? It's a cute scene. I will definitely give it that. Back to reality. Esme reveals that uh, they might she might have found something in her scan. She's finding memories of people in robes and a screaming baby. Now, Cable asserts that this must be the Order of X One of those weirdo mutant cults that popped up recently Esme goes into diamond-hard mode And busts through this neighbor's house door Which, I don't know, feels a little bit like Overkill, right? I mean, they could probably just open the door Cable follows her inside And draws his Light of Galador sword Just in case there's anything creeping behind there Now, it turns out that drawing the sword alerts those three Space Knights from last issue to Cable, and more importantly, the light of Galador's location. And so, they descend upon Philadelphia, and, before we know it, they're crashing through the roof of this house that Cable and Esme are currently trespassing in. The Space Knights demand Cable hand over the sword, but, of course, he refuses. They tussle for a bit before Cable is overwhelmed and, uh, well, gets blasted directly in the back, and so he is KO'd. The Space Knights reclaim the Blade and decide to take Nate and Esme with them, wherever they're going, for good measure. Next scene, Cyclops is now in the interrogation room chatting up Philly's Finest. He tells them that no matter what they need, they can count on the X-Men. They'll help them as best they can. They're all, yeah, we know that. We already talked to your son with the weird eye. To which Cyclops is not surprised. The officers tell him that, hey, we got it under control, and then they suggest that Scott get himself a cheesesteak for the road, and get back to his island And so, we next see Cyclops back in Krakoa Cheesesteak in hand Anyone listening ever have a real Philly cheesesteak? Probably, right? I mean, a lot of people do I'd have never, i I'd never be able to get one Because I have like a real problem with places that give you crap over the way you order things Like, they have their own lingo And if you don't get it exactly right, they talk to you like you're an idiot Because, honestly, I'm a guy who still orders the large Anytime I drive through a Starbucks which doesn't get me quite as much guff as it used to back in the long ago I remember years ago when you'd order a large They'd like look at you like you had three heads And that you were just the most uncultured of the uncultured <laughs> and, uh, But I'm also a guy who orders If I ever order a hot dog, I order it with ketchup Which is apparently an affront to God and humanity I figure I'm just trying to give these people money just let me order the things I want the way I wanna Anywho, uh, Scott is joined by Emma Who's wearing some almost bell-bottomy pants here Now she wants to talk about Cable dating her girls She doesn't want any of them to wind up with a broken heart Over, you know, Scott's son Besides Esme, because apparently Esme deserves to be heartbroken I, I think that's, that's kind of funny I don't know why, but it's kind of funny Scott, Scott insists that he'll talk to his son about all of this stuff From here we jump to an info page And it's a pair of emails from Philly's finest We get names for these two fellas It's Molina and DiStefano Now the first one talks about getting a warrant To check out the house that Cable and Esme were hanging out in front of The second email laments the fact that Well, that house done got blowed up But what can they do from here? Well, we'll find out another time Because right now we jump to another info page And this one's talking about The Hunt The Hunt and it's Entry 002, which takes us back to another place and another time, where we rejoin Old Man Cable, who is still wandering through a barren wasteland. Well, he's not quite wandering at the moment. He's actually sitting on a mechanical animal, which sort of looks like a miniature At-At from Star Wars. Is that even how you say that? Is it at or are they At-Ats? I don't know much Star Wars, so I assume you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, he's being assisted by some beast man Who's worried that his boss will see him helping Cable And react quite poorly to that And so for his troubles, Cable shoots him directly in the face Which is pretty hardcore Cable then rides his weird at-at gimmick to a cliff Where he takes a gander over the side with his binoculars And he sees a rather large skyscraper He comments to himself that he's seen less obvious traps And we're out of here Next episode, welcome to the Double Digits X-Men Volume 5, which means we'll finally be able to do our Dawn of X Wave 1 Number 10 Power Rankings. That is, if I don't forget, like I did with our Wave 2 Number 1s. But we'll get to those in just a little bit. Also, I hope uh, I don't forget what happened in all the rest of the Number 10s. As always, we will endeavor to do our best. But first, let's talk about this very fun issue of Cable. Very, very fun, and boy, it just like flew by, didn't it? Um, An issue like this is like an absolute dream for a synopsizer, right? Because the flow is wonderful. But it's a tough one for an analyzer, because it just happens so fast. You know, the synopsis pretty much writes itself. When the story flow is just as natural and organic and just plain good as this is, it's an absolute dream. But it is tough coming up with things to say about it other than the fact that I really, really enjoyed it. You know what I mean? I suppose an angle that we can go to is uh, a well-trodden one for this program. We talk a fair amount about the attempts at comedy in these Dawn of X books, right? I mean, that's perfectly clear. I'm not a terribly creative guy, so I go back to the same wells over and over again. In fact, we actually talk a fair amount about the fact that we talk a fair amount about... Comedy, which I apologize if that becomes grating But let's talk about why, to me, that the comedic elements work so well in a book like this Rather than in, well, pretty much the rest of the line, or at least 90% of the line And I think what it comes down to is basically what I just said This book has comedic elements, right? But it's not trying so hard to be funny With most of the other attempts in this line, there's a real try-hard feel, right? Like the goal going into a scene is, okay guys, this is where we make the reader laugh. And I don't get that feeling here in Cable. And in fairness, I don't find it laugh-out-loud funny. But the general tone of humor and lightness is prevalent, and it makes the scenes feel more real, more welcoming, and just plain more satisfying to experience. I mean, let's look at the Cuckoos screwing with Cable, for example. Here's a bit where Cable is basically using the Cuckoos, right? He's taking them on missions where they'll be the most useful, he's making out with them, not really taking into consideration that one of them, or some of them, or all of them might actually be falling for him. And then we turn the page and we find out that the Cuckoos are basically using Nate as a test subject of sorts here but it doesn't outright discount whether or not there are any actual true feelings going on between the six of them. There's subtlety here. In most other books, that scene would have been the end of a story beat, whereas here, it just adds an unexpected lighter element to this bizarre love heptagon, right? It's just extra. Scott scene. another one actually quite humorous, not only for the fact that Scott was holding a giant sandwich, which they didn't draw a whole lot of attention to. I feel like other writers would have made the entire scene about the fact that Cyclops is holding a gigantic cheesesteak, right? Like, get it? Get it? He's holding a cheesesteak. Isn't that funny? Well, no, not in and of itself. But here, it was just something that was in the scene, but not dwelled upon. Which made it work. It made it humorous. Uh, even taken a step further into the conversation between Scott and Emma... Very well done I don't know why Emma has it in her head That Esme needs to have her heart broken And it really doesn't matter Because it's weird, it's kind of quirky And it, and it's funny We don't need it explained to death Which again, I feel like other writers Would have done Here we get just enough to be like, huh? And then we move on Which is the way it should be um, Philadelphia's finest here are officers, they were handled quite well And again, with subtlety They weren't portrayed as mutant haters. They weren't even portrayed as being mutant-phobic or intimidated by the fact that there are mutants stomping around their beat. Instead, they took it as it was, and they were actually kind of amused by them. Sure, they don't need Cable or Cyclops in their way, but this was like a more, more of a fun adversarial approach than the standard, you know, humans are awful and nobody understands the mutant sort of deal that we're accustomed to getting in these books. So yeah, this is really good stuff here. The Space Knight stuff? Well, my personal jury is still kind of out on them I love the idea of tying in the lore But in practice, Rom and his ilk have never really done anything to move my needle I will say I'm totally on board though And I'm excitedly optimistic that this might change my mind Uh, The Old Man Cable stuff Is really interesting Um, To me anyway I mean, we get, what, like three pages? But I really want to know what's going on here is this the real cable? Is this the real cable from present day, just time displaced? Is this just a retelling of an old pre-extermination era adventure? The answer to that is, I don't care what it is, I just want more of it It's fun, it's interesting, it's mysterious, it's really well done Speaking of well done Do we even need to comment on the art? Yeah, probably, right? It's, it's amazing stuff I mean it's Phil Noto, so you probably already know that, but honestly, this is a hell of a good looking book. I didn't even mind that the fact that there were like three full page spreads in it simply because they looked so damn wonderful. Really, really gorgeous art here. I mean this is this is up there with uh, you know Rod Reese on New Mutants, just fantastic art that I can barely wrap my head around it being quite this good. Overall, I can't believe I'm saying this, but cable <laughs> is more than worth your time. I mean, who'd have thunk it? Um, This might be the best book with cable branding on it since that Weinberg run back, God, before the turn of the century. I can't think of anything that's been quite that good, quite this good since then. Really, really good. Really worth your time. Uh, Whether you're cable-averse or a fan of cables, I think you'll get something out of this book. This is a really good book, and it's a really good-looking book, which helps things as well. So that's... All I got to say about Cable Volume Four, Number Two, but since I forgot to do it last episode, let us go to our Dawn of X Wave Two, Number One Power Rankings. Now we have four books from Dawn Dawn of X Wave Two, and let's rank them. The top three are very, very close. This is a uh, this is a really, really good wave of books here. One of them falls kind of far behind, but the the top three are very, very close and. Depending on whichever one I read most recently, it might just, you know, be the one that I get. I have it, so my best book of the Dawn of X Wave 2 number ones is Hellions, number one, followed by Cable, number one, followed by X Factor, number one, and then, of course, we have Wolverine, number one, which really didn't do a whole heck of a lot for me. The other three, wonderful, wonderful books. Um, A real tough decision to see who'd get number one here, but uh, Hellions just. Eked it out. Uh, I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on the uh, Wave 2 Number 1s. Uh, if you've read all four of them, please, please feel free to let me know. But uh, with that said, let's hop into the mailbag. We're going to start with Evan, who's talking about uh, Phoenix Resurrects lapsed. He says, Enjoying reading along with Phoenix Resurrection. I still feel like the first couple of issues have me in a holding pattern, but maybe that's because I read some things that spoiled a little bit of it for me. It's still enjoyable, though. I was thinking the Jean Grey we're seeing is Teen Jean from the all-new, all-different, sometimes-blue X-Men. The events, I think, spun out of the Jean Grey solo series that ran 11 issues. When I went back to refresh my memory, I realized that I never finished the last two issues, so that's what I'm going to do before issue 3. And that's not something I even thought about. I never even thought that the Jean we're seeing at the Elsewhere Diner, or just in the Elsewhere in general, might not be our Jean, or Prime Jean. So that is very, very interesting. And uh, now it has me asking a whole bunch of questions here And uh, I don't know how I feel about that Like, if we do find out that this is Teen Gene And then the series just ends with real Gene just like, you know, burning back in on the Phoenix or something I don't know how I'll feel about that, but uh, I don't know I don't know, that's very, very interesting food for thought Though Evan continues by explaining a little bit about what the Gene uh, Grey, uh, I guess it would be just a Maxi series was he says, the series was based on young Jean having a vision that the Phoenix was returning, and her preparing for it by seeking training from previous hosts and other Marvel characters, such as Psylocke and even Thor. It was a pretty cool series, and one of the few times I've read Jean as the star and not more of a supporting character, or at least sharing the spotlight. And that sounds pretty interesting. I, I have a couple of those issues kicking around in my uh, collection. I haven't, I haven't really prioritized filling that run in, though, but... I'm definitely considering it. I'm definitely considering it. I just had such an aversion to the teen characters around the time that I decided to leave the X-Books because the teen characters, the Teen Original Five, were a big part of why I walked away. Not that I didn't like them there in the first place. I just didn't like the voices they were being given. Uh, the voices, it was, like I was, it was like I was watching current year, like, Degrassi Jr. High. It was like so much snark, so much just... I'm the most charming person in the room, and it really just turned me off. Didn't want to hear it, didn't want to see it, and uh, and I've tried the uh, the Cullen Bun run a few times, and uh, we still might again for uh, for recording purposes. But uh, it throws me off every time. I always go into it with like the best of intentions, like I'm gonna get through it this time, and no, it never happens because these the Teen X Men are just so damn annoying. So maybe, I don't know who wrote the Gene uh, the Gray mini or Maxi series, but uh, I'd be interested in finding out and seeing if maybe uh, the character can win me over. After all, right? It's definitely a, a damn good premise for a, for a series, isn't it? Uh, especially if it leads into uh, Phoenix Resurrection. So that's really, really cool. Now, Evan closes out by, uh, by trying something out here. He says, let me try one. Until you give 12 out of 10 stars to the Shi'ar Otherworld War maxi-series and tie-ins, make mine X-Labs. You never know. Stranger things have happened, right? <laughs> but thank you so much for writing in and uh, filling us in on some of the uh, more recent Gene Grey history. Next, we have a message from Mark, Green Lantern HG, d- discussing Empire. He says, just like I said... Well, at least it's over (laughs) Don't get me wrong, I like a good zombie story But I don't even know what to make of this Still, I'm here, Chris Like I said, I'm in until the end (laughs) Great episode and keep up the great work So thank you, Mark, for sticking around here I know Empire must have been A real tough one to get through These episodes Because I try as I may to stay positive And at least bring something A little bit lighter To these, even books that I don't care for I was at a loss uh, for, for the Empire issues They they hit me in just the wrong spot <laughs> So it was I apologize if I came across as Way too negative on those um, Something that I want to say Is uh, I don't think any creator Gets up in the morning and says I'm going to write a horrible Comic book today and I, I doubt any of the people Involved in Empire X-Men did Say that to themselves but uh, what we got I don't know there, there was no heart in that story And uh It felt like exactly what it was, which was a cash-in. But, uh, like you said, at least it's over. And, uh, well, actually, we're going to be talking more Empire next episode, aren't we? Because of, uh, the X-Men Volume 5 tie-in. Well, let's hope that, uh... Let's hope that that one has a little bit more heart than the miniseries, right? We'll keep our fingers crossed and hope for the best. But uh, thank you so much for writing in and, and for sticking with the show, even in these uh, these leaner times of, uh, of Empire colon X-Men, Mark. Thank you so much. Now, if anyone else would like to write in and uh, say hello or talk about anything you want, you could reach me on Twitter at Ace Comics or at weirdcomicshistory@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can find blog posts and show notes over at Chris is on Infinite earths.com. There's also xlapsed.chrissoninfiniteearths.com. We've got a Facebook group, 90s X-Men, on Facebook. And you can hear all the noise at chrisandreggie.podbean.com. But I think that's where we'll put a pin in it today. A bit of a shorter show, but uh, a heck of an issue that I give a very high recommendation to. If you're not reading cable and you're cable-curious, definitely do yourself a favor and check it out. But uh, thank you all so, so much for hanging out and sharing your time with me today. And uh, as always, I will talk to you again real soon. See ya.